power of the dark side. I'm not a baby, I'm a man. I am an anchor man. Is this a kissing book? The way I see it, if you're going to build a time machine into a car, why not do it with some style? Hello and welcome to episode one of Just Like in the Movies, brought to you by gkmedia.ie, providing digital content and marketing solutions for SMEs throughout Ireland and the UK. Every week our podcast explores and discusses what is happening in the Irish film industry and beyond. I'm your host, Gary Kelly, and in this week's show we will be speaking to Lisa Tracy and Kieran Dorian about Michael Inside, A Quiet Place and a couple of Irish TV shows that everyone is currently talking about. We'll also be digging into the archives later where I will be playing an exclusive interview with actor Michael Fassbender recorded at the Galway Film Fla a few years ago. First up, joining me in our loft studios today in Galway City is Lisa and Kieran to first talk about Michael Inside. I first went into prison when I was turned in. I've been inside most of my life. I got out for the last time in 2007. An angry man. I think everyone comes out bitter, no matter what they tell you. The longer the stretch, the bigger the scar. I still feel anger when I see a uniform. I don't think that'll change. There you go. That's a clip from the IFTA award-winning movie Michael Inside from director Frank Burry. It premiered at the Galway Film Fla. One Best Irish Feature and it won an Audience Award at the Cork International Film Festival. It is getting rave reviews, but let's see if our contributors this week thought it deserves such accolades. Lisa Tracy. <laughs> I'm, go- I'm coming to you first because I think there might be <laughs> a, a slight disagreement. Hmm, um, maybe. It made me not want to go to prison, if that's a positive. Good. <laughs> <laughs> Which is maybe the message from the movie. So what's the movie about? Uh, it's about a guy who's holding drugs for his friend, uh, in quotation marks. His friend is useless, by the way. They're all pretty useless. That's why I did not like the film. But uh, his friend then, apparently he told him to move the drugs on. And that means get rid of them, give them to somebody else. And uh, he never did that. And the, the cops come barreling at the door and then he gets arrested and he gets two months in jail, which isn't bad. It's not, like you, you would think it isn't bad. Mm. But then he goes to jail and it's not fun. And uh, none of it is fun. It's really depressing, the whole movie. Classic Irish drama. I didn't like it. <laughs> because it was so but, depressing. But the acting, the acting is fantastic. It's really depressing, but the acting is fantastic. It's a really well-directed film. Uh, it's just the subject matter. It's just really sad. And you're just like, you just like, you hope for the guy and then boom. And I'm not going to ruin it by telling you what happens. Okay, but there's a boom in there at the end. Well, there is. That's <laughs> a boom. It's more of a bust. But anyway. <laughs> Kieran, what did you think of Michael Inside? Uh, I really enjoyed it, much for the same reasons that Lisa probably disliked <laughs> it. Um, I was, uh, it, is, it is very, very sad, and it's not a film you'd exactly enjoy as opposed to maybe endure. But that being said, I think it is very, very entertaining. I think it handles its tension very, very, very well. Um, it follows the, the young lad played by David Flynn for 90% of the movie, and the camera stays focused on him. And... It works really well at the start during the, you know, the internal sort of drama. But when it gets to the prison, like it's really, really tense. So I think it works in that way, but it, it is quite gut wrenching and that. And you do come out of it probably a little depressed and sort of, <laughs> sort of down. But 
I, I don't think it's a preachy film in no. that way. And it's not judgmental. No, not at all. But you kind of want them to shake the kid and go, don't do that. There is a bit of that. It reminded me, did you ever see, see that film, What Richard Did? Mm. Yes. And it reminded me of that where the main character doesn't say a lot or do a lot. And that you're kind of a little frustrated with him. Mm. I, I really enjoyed it. I, th- I thought it was a great Irish movie. And it is, it is a little dire and it is depressing. Nobody comes out of it really well in a way. But it's, it's very authentic. Mm. It's, uh, very, it's, it's maybe a little too realistic. That you just you see the kids on the street and you're like, oh god, that actually seems awfully realistic. Yeah, know, like are we just good at doing dark, Realism. depressing movies? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> because we seem to be making a lot of them as opposed to happy movies. Yeah. The happy movies don't seem to get released, or or else they're just not getting made. Mm. Maybe. Or funded. Or funded. The last time I saw a happy movie uh, in Ireland in an Irish cinema set in Ireland was Good Vibrations. That was a very excellent cheerful movie yeah and that one as well it at the film flat it did but uh yeah so we don't tend to make happy movies in ireland for the last 20 years i'd say no and the young offenders is, did brilliant on yeah. irish television and i think our movies reflect our weather maybe yeah i think <laughs> that could be it because it's that into, sad or something yeah it seeps into all our art and that so yeah. maybe in 12 months time we're gonna have a lot of snow based oh maybe. films <laughs> coming through the snowman part two uh, yeah something like that Let's take another clip from Michael inside just to give listeners an idea as to what the film is about. You have to attack that fella. What? You have to attack him. Come on. He's in the cell now. Huh? Oh. All right. I wait outside the door. You follow. I'm not asking. How's that? Do you understand? Why are you doing this? For your own good. Okay, so... Two and a half. Two and a half out of what? <laughs> out of five? No, I'm only missing three. Three out of five. I'm kicking okay. her under the table here. <laughs> Put the score up. Kieran? I'm going to give it the five out of five. I, I really enjoyed I it. I give it a five for acting and directing, for sure. Yeah. But as an overall whole movie that I would recommend to a friend to definitely watch, I would say three. Because it's depressing as hell. Okay. I felt because I watched a really good film and I mm. came out and the film has been in my head mm. since yesterday and that and to me that that is good and I that's mean, the mark of a good film that's a mark yeah. of a good film I think it was a four star when I watched it but it's a five star now as it's kind of germinated a little more in my head wow. that. sorry Okay, let's just take a look at uh, some news bites from during the week. This one, I don't know if you heard about this. People are going to be banned from taking selfies on the red carpet at the Cannes Film Festival in May. One of the event's top (laughs) officials says anyone who does won't be let in to see the movies. And he's described it as not beautiful and grotesque. Organizers say when people stand around for the snaps, everything becomes disorganized and the events run late. Yeah, and you know how the French are so on time. <laughs> are they? <laughs> no! <laughs> All right. <laughs> but isn't the, the paparazzi thing such a massive part of the can? Mm. And I know selfie, is, is, is it like the paparazzi are saying, look, come on, you're putting us out of a job I here. I think that's what it is. The, it's the money thing. Again, I always go back to the money with this thing, with can, because uh, it's probably, as you said, it's the paparazzi are saying, listen, they're getting all their photos for free, so we need to actually like do something about it because it's their mm. livelihood at the end of the day. That's it, yeah. But I know it's like not a great... But like if Harrison Ford takes yeah. a selfie on the red carpet, for example... I'd love to see that. That would <laughs> never happen. How will they tell him he can't come in and see Indiana Jones 5? 
Well, it it, might, if it was be. to be premiered at Cannes. Yeah. Well, I don't think Harrison will do it, but the younger ones might. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. I'd love to see both. Both. I'd love to see Harrison Ford take a selfie can, and I'd love to see him be refused <laughs> that would entry be into his own film. That'd be a challenge. Speaking of Harrison Ford and Indiana Jones, Spielberg <laughs> has hinted at a female Indiana Jones after confirming that the upcoming fifth Indiana Jones movie will be Harrison Ford's last appearance in the role. Did I hear that Harrison was also saying that that's an excellent idea? I think I read that somewhere else. He's probably fed up, though. Well, maybe. This stage, he looked very fed up in the last one. Like, he seemed to he be delighted. He seems every time he's been interviewed, though, doesn't he? Yeah. 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 <laughs> 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 We're agreed. Grumpy old Harrison. <laughs> even though I watched uh, Patriot Games again the other night, even though I've seen it 10,000 times, mm -hmm. but I never get sick of it. Yeah, I thought with The Force Awakens as well, when that came out and his character, sorry for any spoilers, got killed off in it, that he was kind of delighted that that was the end of the Star Wars saga. And it'll yeah. It's probably the mm -hmm. same with Indiana Jones. I suppose the fact that he's playing these characters for nearly 40 years. He probably wants to just stamp it out and yeah. say, end of. Yeah. I thought he was actually very good in The Force Awakens. He looked like he was having fun for the first time in a long time. Mm. Maybe because, as you say, he was going to get killed off. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you just see the paycheck and the horizon yeah. and that's it. Speaking of not wanting to be killed off, did you know that there's a sixth Terminator film due out no way yeah it's supposed to be released july 2019 they've pushed it back to november 2019 and, and it's going to the terminator it's going to reunite arnie and linda hamilton playing sarah o'connor from the 91 <laughs> terminator 2 judgment day and this is the best part james cameron's directing yeah but <gasps> he has said <laughs> ignore <laughs> rise of the machine salvation and genesis consider them a bad dream he's no. taken the story up from judgment terminator. day oh wow that's, I, that's what I'd like to hear. I don't know. It just feels like the law of diminishing returns with those films. And James Cameron gave his blessing to the last Terminator, which was, I thought, the worst of them all. But now so he's taking it away. He's taking it away. Mm, he giveth and he receiveth or mm. something like that. But we really want to see these Avatar sequels before. That's, that's what we're all waiting for, are we not? Yeah. No. <laughs> More Avatars. One a week for the rest of our lives. No blue people. No. They just There's like five of them all together that's going to be made. Of Avatar movies? Yeah. Oh my god! I know it's but unbelievable. But why are we still waiting for the second one? So Avatar two is coming out in twenty twenty. Avatar three twenty twenty one. Avatar four twenty twenty four. And Avatar five. Put it in your diary. Twenty twenty five. They're going to be like the, that last U two album that just mysteriously turned up on your iPod or something <laughs> like that. You just you you're going to find yourself inadvertently watching an Avatar film, wondering how did I get here? Yeah, I don't know how they can even make a second one, let alone four more. I don't know. They're was very it, long. Was mm. there a sequel to Pocahontas? Or did they <laughs> <laughs> can they use that story again? <laughs> Let's move on to the next movie now, A Quiet Place, a movie about a family that is forced to live in silence while hiding from creatures that hunt by sound. Let's take a listen to actress Emily Blunt talking about the movie. The bigger idea is it's a metaphor on parenthood and the idea and the fear of all parents have of not quite being able to protect your children from the big bad world. But essentially it is a film where a family is being hunted by a species that are um, attracted to sound. And so they have to live as silently as possible. But the silence is used as another character in, in the film really. Karen, I've seen loads of trailers and teasers for this movie. It sounds like a brilliant premise does it work as a movie yeah it really works as a as a film and it's definitely one i'd recommend going seeing in the cinema 
where you become really aware of how good the sound design is and how the absence of sound is used to real striking effect. And it's especially when you're in a kind of darkened room full of people and, well, there is a thing you can hear everybody else crunching popcorn yeah. and stuff like that, but it really builds the tension and you could really feel like the energy in the room kind of change. And it starts, like as Emily Blunt was saying there, it is basically it's centered around this family in a sort of dystopian kind of future where man has been under attack by these aliens that, as she said, hunt by sound. Now, their family, one of their, their daughters is deaf, so they were able to communicate through sign language, so they were able to to survive the onslaught where everyone around them wasn't. So it slowly sort of reveals how this came about and how they've learned to survive. It's really excellently done. It stars and is directed by John Krasinski with his wife. And most people might remember him from The Office, where actually his talents in The Office were because he used to they used to cut to him reacting with his face quite a bit, mm. and it really works in this, where they have has a, he has a really expressive face, which is great for an for an actor, and for a film that plays so much on people's emotions and people react in silently something, it really builds the tension through that. There's moments that kind of sometimes they hinge around, like there's at one point that we notice a nail in a floorboard that's kind of sticking up, and every so often somebody will pass it or they're going to get caught in it. Mm. And just that small little device just escalates throughout the film and, and builds and builds. And it's it, it's very cleverly done. I mean, I'm a big fan of horror anyway, but you see so many horrors and they're crash, wallop, bang, bang. And the use kind of sound is a way to cheat getting the scares. Whereas this one, it, it's the use sound to kind of build up the fear inside inside the, the audience and that. And from the moment you kind of sit in your seat to the, the very last minute, and it's about 90 minutes, but nothing is wasted within the film it just it, it's just like getting on a roller coaster you sit in you strap on and just enjoy it it's, it's technically well done and the acting is superb i did want to play a clip from the movie but the fact that there's a lot of silence in it it's, it's hard to find a clip but as we were saying emily blunt stars in this movie directed by her husband and this is what she had to say about working with her husband kind of awesome and we were nervous i think because you know we've obviously heard about each other's projects second hand but you, you've never we've never gone toe to toe with each other and we were a bit nervous because we had never it's a new experience we've been together almost a decade and it was just still a new experience and we loved it actually it was sort of exhilarating working with him and we really trust each other i think when the trust is there it's just you just can't beat it really I think the funny thing about this movie is it's not the sort of movie I would expect Emily Blunt or John Krasinski to be in, but it really works. Yeah, it really does. Uh, they're both perfect in the roles. Um, I know he's made some other films, which I, which I haven't seen, but just based on the merits of this, he is a director to, to watch out for. As I say, he really understands tension. He really understands uh, you know, the power of the close-up, of allowing things to breathe. Um, the film does have sort of moments of outright horror and violence and that, but they're used really sparingly, just more again to ratchet things things up. And um, one of the younger actresses who, who who plays a little deaf girl, she's she's amazing in it. He's got a real find in in her as well. And just even that concept of 
a deaf girl, you think, again, that should be an advantage in that world, but she can't even tell when she's making sounds. Oh, wow. And that, so that, that adds to another layer. There's also Emily Blunt's character. Uh, she's pregnant, so she's due to give birth. So that's like a ticking time bomb within that as well. Wow. So Lots of layers. Lots wow. and lots of layers, expertly <coughs> handled. Yeah, five, I wouldn't give it five out of five, but a four out of five. And oh. as a horror fan... You're just, I'm just, you're starred for anything that's sort of decent. So I, I, I really had a good time with this movie. Excellent. Let's move to Irish television. And on recently, Dave Allen at Peace TV movie starring Aidan Gillen and uh, Tommy Tiernan. Lisa, what did you think of it? Well, I liked it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, I thought he, like, I hadn't seen much of Dave Allen, like, over the course of, course of my life at all. Look, Aidan Gillen is a great actor. I just thought when I heard the voice of him doing Dave Allen before I actually you just uh, thought he was the big I just scene. thought it was another Ch Charles High yeah. Im uh, impersonation and he just didn't seem to land the jokes the punchlines like Dave Allen did and then in contrast you had Tommy Tiernan you know a well-known Irish comedian playing Dave Allen's dad in it uh, who was a managing director of the Irish Times and I thought Tommy Tiernan's performance was just spot on. Spot on. Mm. He was like a real lovable character. And he wasn't playing a comedian or giving loads of punchlines or whatever. But his performance came across really well. I just, I, I didn't connect as much with Aidan Gillen's performance of the main character. Hmm. Sad. I like him. <laughs> <laughs> and no, in terms of the way cute. the story was put together. The story was, it was quite disjointed because you were just kind of, watching the first part and then it like switched to the documentary style and then it was back to his acting and it was all kind of him him as a young fella and then him as a stand-up and him as post his fame and you know it, you know it was a bit disjointed but like I as I say I didn't watch enough of Dave Allen to know that it was um any better or any worse you know he was he was pretty good Dave Allen would be a master of comic time and like I, I haven't see, seen this program but I know from just his YouTube clips that some of them are just they're, they're very straightforward jokes but he just lands the punchline mm. so well that they're they're funny every time. T.G. Cahar were raving and promoting and pushing a docudrama for the last few months in the build-up to what is certainly a very interesting television show about the murders that took place there on the Galway-Mayo border. In 1882. 18, in 1882. Oh. I've written it down here because I knew I was going to get it wrong. Excellent. Kieran, what did you make of it? Again, it's TJ Gahar knocking it out of the park again. Like um, the, the last couple of years, they've made some really brilliant productions. There was and Klondike, I mm. don't know, like which is just even the concept of shooting a Western in Ireland, but they pulled that off. And then there was the other show, and Bruntonis, which I thought was a great, great series. And now this Murder Mom Trasso, which documents the murders of the Joyce family in 1882 and the subsequent trial and sentences of some local men who most of them turned out to be innocent for the crime. It's a docudrama, which I don't always think I kind of agree with. I'm like, you either go one or the other. and that, But the fictional recreation of it is so cinematic and it blends in just the documentary. I thought that was done really well. It's about two hours long, but it yeah. absolutely flies. It opens beautifully with the, the shots of just um, the hangman uh, coming on to the stage. Testing the floor. Testing the floor, mm. exactly. Uh, and it's uh, so artistically done. It's 
got some gorgeous footage of the mom era and then it, it just slowly but slowly builds which was a, a tragedy across the board from the original slaughter of, of the family like the Joyce's were a very prominent family in that area to the rounding up of, of the guys and it, it seems pretty clear now that the guy who did the crime set up these other people to the point that because of this docudrama President Higgins give exonerated, give a, exonerated mm. never too late I guess 136 mm. years later mm. and uh, but it, it's a very sad film it's quite angry without again sort of like Michael and Sight without being being preachy and it's it's so expertly done there's a lot of recognisable faces from you know different T.J. Carr productions all the Ross Room boys all the Ross Room and Donna Reed is in there Ron McDermott um, Dara Devaney uh, people like that and I have to say I'm biased as well because I work out in that area and I know some of the people involved that being said if I didn't like it I, I would I would point out its problems um, it was great it, it's a very cinematic documentary mm. and it's up on the T.J. Carr player now so well worth checking out. Yeah. Excellent. So that's Murder, Mom Trasa there. Mm. Well, Lisa and Karen, many thanks for coming into the Loft Studios here in Galway City and uh, for your contributions today on our podcast. Thank you, Gary. Thank you, Gary. Can't afford marketing personnel for your business? Don't worry. Just head over to gkmedia.ie where you could have your very own professional marketing team for less than 100 euro per week. Check out our marketing solutions packages by visiting gkmedia.ie. Now, over the years, I have had the opportunity to interview some of the great actors and filmmakers that have visited our shores during the Galway Film Fla. In a rare and exclusive interview, here I am talking to actor Michael Fassbender shortly after he completed filming Inglorious Bastards. You know, it was, um, I mean, a dream come true for me because, you know, Tarantino was such an influence for me right at the beginning. and. I tried to do my own version of uh, Reservoir Dogs in Killarney when I was 18, so to actually be directed by the guy was uh, was pretty surreal. A lot of people as well would be curious to see what was it like working with the likes of Brad Pitt, who would be like a household name for people. Yeah, most of the girls always ask me that question. <laughs> um, uh, you know, it, it, I've said it before, and um, and, it, and it's still sort of a really kind of find it humbling how um, generous the man is, you know, and how. Uh, just sort of down to earth and supportive he is t- towards all the other actors around him even when we were in Cannes you know you'd sort of notice when we were going up the carpet he's always including all the actors around him and just a very special person to be sort of at that height for so long and to remain so sort of you know grounded and 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 to s- you know to see things uh, you know as they are and 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 simply as they are that he's doing a job and it happens to have a lot of sort of, you know, hype around it, but the man himself is uh, is just a joy. What's Quentin Tarantino like on set? I think he's happiest when he's on set, but he's also such a perfectionist that, um, you know, he carries so much sort of energy with him on set, but, you know, uh, all the people around him, he expects to be coming with the same sort of enthusiasm and same preparation, uh, and he doesn't suffer fools lightly, you know. As an actor, you know, he expects you to come with your ideas and not just sort of, you know expect to be sort of put in you know what do I you know where do you want me what do you want me to do you know you have to come to the table with something and uh, I mean he is an encyclopedia of film knowledge without a doubt I've never come across anybody who has that much retention of film you know and that means like spanning back to the beginning of film I think he's probably seen 
everything that's been ever made. And, uh, you know, he's just a real sort of film enthusiast. And also he's, he's very clear and very definite about what he wants to do and his film's very confident on set. And I think that breeds for a good atmosphere. And also, you know, he likes to have fun on set. So we'd have music playing sort of in between takes, you know, th through the sound mixer. And uh, it's, it's, you know, it's a nice environment. But again, you know, you're there to work. It's not like, oh, we're all having fun and creating something here. You know, there's a definite sort of goal at the end of it. But it's completely different, I'd say, then to Steve McQueen's set for Hunger. That must have been very intense, you know, and you lost so much weight for it as well. It must have been very hard to even have the energy to perform as an actor. No, to be honest with you, actually, I never really found energy levels to be a problem, especially during the daytime. At nighttime, I would get a bit grumpy and, and, and you know, the energy levels would wane a bit. But I have to say, I, I was, uh, you know, immensely focused, whether that was through the diet or just sort of keeping focused on the project but I found I could you know really sort of focus on a pinpoint and um, energy levels wasn't a problem but the difference being you know it's a smaller set it's a lot smaller budget and therefore you know um, there's less people running around on set there's um, in some respects a different type of pressure but less sort of pressure when there's some you know when there's like a whatever how many million dollars you know riding on something whether it's a hundred million dollars or we made hunger for like two yeah. you know so just different different forms i suppose of, of of pressure really one of your latest movies to be released fish tank yeah. directed by an absolutely amazing female director andrea arnold She's pretty special without a doubt um i sort of you know i was in south africa doing the devil's whore for channel four and connor my agent in london said you know andrea arnold's interested in you um, being part of her next film and I'd seen Red Road and was blown away by that but he said there's no script that I can give you I can't give you a script but I've read it it's beautiful and um, uh, what do you think and so I said well of course you know when you the main choices that you need to make sort of as an actor it's pretty simple you know the director and the script I got one out of the two and you know I just sort of really kind of put my trust in her and uh, having seen the film just so delighted that I did I mean I think she's a wonderful filmmaker and gets fantastic performances out of actors and non-actors as as you'll see in Fish Tank with Katie you know well there's no doubt about it you are a fantastic actor you have pulled off amazing performances from the work that people have already seen Michael thanks very much for your time thank you so much I appreciate that Thanks very much for listening to Just Like in the Movies, brought to you by gkmedia.ie. Next week, we'll be discussing Ken Wardrop's new movie, Making the Grade, and we'll also be speaking to the director himself. Until we talk to you next week, take care.